Bill Mesnick and Rich Buckland with you. Put on a stack of 45s. This is a program that asks the musical question, what were those seven-inch things and they were kind of plastic and you put a turntable and you put a needle on them and you spun them around and you got magic? Some of us remember. Some of us maybe are too young to remember. But what a, uh, what a vacation. Every single record to me was a vacation. And... Um, we're going to discuss one of those recordings today, as well as one of the artists who made it very, very popular. And I think this particular artist may be new to many of you, but maybe not the song. Now, there were two songs by this title. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the title is I Wonder What She's Doing Tonight. And the version that we are going to be looking at is by Barry and the Tamerlanes Barry and from the 1963. Tamerlanes. And at, on YouTube, somebody who commented said this song was on the radio when JFK was killed. Oh, that's that's fascinating. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, yeah. On well, on what particular station? Uh, I I don't I don't know if they identified what town they were in, but this song you suggested this has particular emotional resonance for you. So why don't you start off the discussion talking about why you picked it. Well, there are recordings that stay with you, and they stay with you for for reasons that you can't determine uh, other than how they affected you in your youth. And You were 12? I'm 11 years old, so I'm 11. figuring to myself, how am I possibly grasping the nature of what some of these recordings are saying? Lonely Teardrops is probably the very first that affected me in that manner at the age of six or seven. But by 11... Well, yeah, at that 11-year, tender age of 11, you were already uh, relating to this idea of heartache and nostalgia. And how it was constructed in the form of popular music, it's how we're wired has to do with it. We're wired to hear these sounds... And they're pleasing, and they're delicate, and or they're they're rocking and they're rolling. It it depends on your interpretation of it. For me, the poignancy of this particular recording inspired the idea that this is a pretty lonely world. I didn't get that identification from Tommy Boyce and Bobby Hart's recording. Nineteen sixty-eight. Nineteen sixty-eight. When yeah. you mentioned the song, that was the one that I immediately thought of because that's the record that I remembered and made an impression on me. A bouncy, you know, kind of driving chipper. But Boys and Heart, they were pretty important songwriters in their own right. But this Barry... Um, Barry Dvorzan. Yeah, now, the first thing I did was I looked up the meaning of Tamerlane. Mm -hmm. Do you know what what that comes from? Actually, no. Well, I'm going to enlighten you because this, <laughs> this kind of opened my brain up immediately. The definition of Tamerlane, he was a Mongolian ruler of the Samarkand who led his nomadic hordes to conquer an area from Turkey to Mongolia in the years 1336 to 1405. Now, what connection <laughs> did Barry Dvorjan have to the, the Mongolian ruler. 
Well, that, I, I mean, we don't know, but it's curious. Yeah, it, it's very curious. But he apparently had a historical and cinematic mind. As his smart career, man. Yeah, yeah, smart man. And as his career developed, uh, went into motion picture soundtracks. But during those early stages, you wouldn't imagine that he would be interested in a reference such as that because he was writing songs for uh, people like Johnny Burnett. Um, right. Obviously, he was smart. He he founded his own label, Valiant Records. Valiant Records. Yep. Yep. And he wrote for you know for both Burnett's for Jimmy and Dorsey and uh, Hey Hey Little One, Big Rock Candy Mountain, uh, and of course um, Dreamin'. But what you have to take into account is that when they were doing that session, he was not supposed to be singing lead on it. That's right. He couldn't get the person he wanted singing, so he he stepped in. And I think that it was the perfect uh, it was the perfect dance. He knew exactly how to interpret this, um, and I can't imagine anybody else having successfully done it. Well, let me ask you this: um, so when I was looking up the record, whatever I could find written about the record, um, they said that Barry and the Tamerlanes was a doo-wop group. Now, this record doesn't strike me as doo-wop. Where does this fit in to the, you know, the, um, that arc of doo-wop going into rock and roll? Well, all you have to do is listen to the very beginning. The very beginning is this doo-wop harmony where you've got bass and alto and there's this connection. And it's something that someone would have devised around a garbage can uh, in, on a Brooklyn street corner late at night with a fire going. But um, the beat and the chord changes were a little more um, developed, I thought. Because he recognized what the success of someone like Gary Lewis and the, and the Playboys represented. So when you listen to this recording... And you think about those Gary Lewis records, you're going, this cat obviously was listening to this diamond ring, that album, um, and the early influences. Written by Al Cooper, but what year did that happen? 63. Same year. Yeah. So what you've got here, what you've got here is this collision of understanding that we have a formula process, but I'm going to insert my roots. Gotcha. So this is where I always appreciated that opening. I thought that opening was just was just gorgeous. Um, it grabs you. Yeah, it, it it grabs you, and it sets the one minute fifty two seconds. You're telling an entire uh, you're telling an epic story in one minute fifty. Simple. Everyone has experienced it, and. Uh, I just think it's one of those recordings that's so well-crafted that uh, it, it demands some, some attention. Made it to 21 on the Billboard chart. Didn't go much higher, but I can recall hearing it on uh, hearing it on the radio. So I know that uh, Bruce it's Morrow... His cousin Brucey was a big... Yeah, yeah Bruce Morrow played it, and uh, mm. I'm sure Dandy Dan Daniels, WMCA. This is These are New York <laughs> stations where we grew up. Um and so you, you're wonder, you, one wonders what happened to Barry. And, uh, 
He's still alive. He's 86 years old. 86, yes. So, okay, so I know you want to talk about his film work because he did a lot of work in the 70s and 80s on film scores. But I do want to just point out the one that, of course, made national, probably worldwide attention was uh, Nadja's theme. which was originally originally Cotton's theme from Bless the Beasts and Children uh, film and then it was picked up by Young and Rest the Young and the Restless Soap Opera became their theme song but ah, that's what I remember hearing endlessly that year of the Olympics in Nadja Komenich and I guess ABC Wide World of Sports created a montage and used Cotton's theme, which became Nadja's theme, right? Um, and it was ubiquitous. It was everywhere. Yes, it was. Everywhere. He won the uh, he won the uh, Emmy for that. Well, it won Academy Award. Not well, it got, I mean, a, it got a nomination for Academy Award because of the Carpenters version of it. But he had he, his career was filled with awards for this kind of writing. I mean, this is not it's not an easy task to be able to jump. Genres like that. Um, yeah, I'm sorry, it was a Grammy for Best Instrumental Grammy, okay. in 1978. So he also wrote, he co-wrote the Eagles hits hit in the city with Joe Walsh. So, that's interesting. Now there's a jump. You know, there's a, once again that's a pretty good jump. He wrote the soundtrack for the movie The Warriors, and when you when you hear the list of movies that he wrote uh, that he wrote for. So bless the beasts and children. Dillinger with Warren Oates. <laughs> Cooley High, one of the first uh, films to deliver a portrait of African Americans, as nice. the car wash theme was was uh, was being developed. Hard Times, uh, Bronson and Coburn, SWAT, Bobby Joe and the Outlaw, Rolling Thunder with William Devane. There's a, He's a busy, busy composer. Busy composer. I mean, Private Benjamin, uh, <laughs> the Comeback Kid, Xanadu. <laughs> he was Zan- a go-to, go-to guy. Xanadu, yeah, go-to guy. Um, and all the way through The Exorcist Three in 1990. So uh, this is a very interesting and diverse uh, creator, Barry Dvorak. And I, I had heard about him. In the industry, um, in the uh, in the, in the later seventies, and in following what he had done, I just found it amazing that he was able to well, have this. You know, I'm I'm glad we we are taking this opportunity to pay tribute. Well, these are the kind of records that come. Uh, these are the kind of songs that are not written anymore, and they're certainly kind of records that are not made anymore. So um, for those of us who retain the artistry within them, uh, we wish to share it, and hopefully it touches something inside of you. So, Barry and the Tamerlites. 
Barry and the Tamerlanes. I wonder what she's doing tonight. Can't help it if I wonder. Wonder what she's doing. Can't help it if I wonder what she's doing. I'll be back with another 45 RPM. Uh, Yay. This is this is this is the thing, my friends. So many I'm digging this. I'm digging this. So many to choose from. I I love it. It's not just a handful here. So we've got a handful in picking out the ones that we determined to be the most uh, possibly the most important. So you know what? Why don't we put the call out if anybody out there wants to suggest any? If anybody has a suggestion, that's a wonderful idea. Anybody has a suggestion for a 45 that you'd like us to take a little deep dive into, we will be more than pleased to do so. But for today, we leave you with Barry and the Tamerlanes, Bill Mesnick, Rich Buckland with you. Mez, happy Labor Day. Stay safe, everybody. Stack a 45.